Welcome to Zichud Avsiman Member by Ram Goldar and Tirmur Zechus Yavamas Daf Pehei, the ninth parak Yeshmutaros. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, Rebbelazar asked Rabbi Yochanan if an Almana married a Kohen Gadol or a Grusha or Chutz married a Kohen Hedyot, Yeshan Mazonus or Emelhan Mazonus, do they have the right to sustenance or not? The more clarifies the question. If she's living with him, he's in a position where he must divorce her. How could she have the right to sustenance? The Mafarshan explained that receiving sustenance wouldn't encourage her to stay with him. Rather, the questions regarding when the husband went overseas and she borrowed money and used it to support herself. What is the lacha? On one hand, Mazon is Tanai Ksuba Nihinam. Sustenance is a Tanai in the Ksuba. So since she has the Ksuba, she also has the right to Mazonis. Or perhaps the Ksuba itself, which is collected upon leaving the marriage, she can claim, whereas Mazonis Dimate Akngabe Lesle. Mazonis, which might cause her to stay with him, she does not have the right to claim. Ryochan responded that she does not receive Mazonis. A bride said the taught that she does was referring to after the husband's death. Rashi explains that now that she's an Almana, there are no grounds to deprive her of her right to support, lest it encourage her to stay with him. Point number two is not a bride, an Almana to a Kon Galo, or a Grusha or Chalusa, to a Kon Hedyot. Yesha Ksuba Paris Mazonas below. She receives the Ksuba, Prada's sustenance, and worn out garments, referring to garments she brought into the marriage she may take with her when the marriage ends, where Shneos receive none of them. The Bryson brings three explanations with the distinction. Rabbi Shimon Lazar said the Almana married to a Kongado has a Ksuba, Neshu Pasul, Behipasul, because he's Pasul since he cannot do the Avoda, and she's Pasul because she's now a Chalala. Whenever they both become Pasul, the Rabban penalized him by requiring him to pay the Ksuba. Rashi explains that his being prevented from doing the Avoda will lead him to divorce her. Whereas in the case of the Shnia, where they both remain kosher, they penalized her by depriving her of a ksuba. This will lead her to want a divorce in order to marry someone else. Rebbe says the distinction is that the case of the Almana to a Kongado is a Daraisa. Vidive Torah ain't srichin chizuk. And Daraisa law does not require chizuk, whereas the Durban, like Shnios, does require chizuk. And pointing with you, the Daraisa brought a third explanation. Why the Almana to a Kongado receives a ksuba, whereas the Shnia does not. In the case of the Almana to a Kongado, Zehu Margila is the man who persuades the woman to marry him. A woman would not want to enter a marriage which disqualifies her, her husband, and her children, and where her husband would be angry with her, that she caused a psul for him and his children. The mirror explains that it must have been the man who gave in to his physical desires who persuaded her to marry him. In the case of the Shnia, Zohi Margilaso, it's she that persuades the man to marry her. Since the marriage will not disqualify her, her husband, or her children, she has nothing to lose and therefore persuades him. Rashi later on explains that a woman wants to get married more than a man. The Gemara asks whose opinion is this, and answers that it's either Rabbi Shimon Lazarus providing a rationale for his position, or it's Rabbi who retracted his first explanation, because a chalutza to a kohen is only a derabanan, and yet she does receive her ksuba. So once again, the three points are number one, Rabbi Lazar asked Rabbi Yochanan, if an Almana married a kohen gadol, or a grusha chalutza married a kohen hedyot, yeshohemazonos or enohemazonos, do they have the right to sustenance or not? The more clarifies the question. If she's living with him, he is in a position where he must divorce her. How could she have the right to sustenance? The Mafarshan explained that receiving sustenance wouldn't encourage her to stay with him. Rather, the questions regarding when the husband went overseas and she borrowed money and used it to support herself. What is the lacha? On one hand, Mazonas Tanai Ksuba Nihinam. Sustenance is a Tanai in the Ksuba. So since she has the Ksuba, she also has the right to Mazonas. Or perhaps the Ksuba itself, which is collected upon leaving the marriage, she can claim, whereas Mazonas Dimate Akngabe Lesle. Mazonas, which might cause her to stay with him, she does not have the right to claim. Rabbi responded that she does not receive Mazonas. A bride said the taught that she does was referring to after the husband's death. Rashi explains that now that she's an Almana, there are no grounds to deprive her of her right to support, lest it encourage her to stay with him. Point number two is not a bride, an Almana to a Kongalo, or a Grusha or Chalusa, to a Kon Hedyot. 
Yesha Ksuba Paris Mazonas Ubro. She receives the Ksuba, Prada's sustenance, and worn out garments, referring to garments she brought into the marriage she may take with her when the marriage ends, where Shneos receive none of them. The Bryson brings three explanations with the distinction. Rabbi Shimon Lazar said the Almana married to a Kongado has a Ksuba, Neshu Pasul Behipasul, because he's Pasul since he cannot do the Avoda, and she's Pasul because she's now a Chalala. Whenever they both become Pasul, the Rabban penalized him by requiring him to pay the Ksuba. Where she explains that his being prevented from doing the Avoda will lead him to divorce her. Whereas in the case of the Shnia, where they both remain kosher, they penalized her by depriving her of a Ksuba. This will lead her to want a divorce in order to marry someone else. Rebbe says the distinction is that the case of the Almana to a Kongado is a Daraisa, and Daraisa law does not require Chizuk, whereas the Durban, like Shnios, does require Chizuk. And pointing with you, the Bryson brought a third explanation, why the Almana to a Kongado receives a Ksuba, whereas the Shnia does not. In the case of the Almana to a Kongado, Zehu Margila is the man who persuades the woman to marry him. A woman would not want to enter a marriage which disqualifies her, her husband, and her children, and where her husband would be angry with her, that she caused a psul for him and his children. The mirror explains that it must have been the man who gave in to his physical desires who persuaded her to marry him. In the case of the Shnia, Zohi Margilaso, it's she that persuades the man to marry her. Since the marriage will not disqualify her, her husband, or her children, she has nothing to lose and therefore persuades him. Rashuadron explains that a woman wants to get married more than a man. The Gemara asks whose opinion is this, and answers that it's either Rabbi Shimon Lazar is providing a rationale for his position, or it's Rabbi who retracted his first explanation, because a chalutza to a kohen is only a derabanan, and yet she does receive her ksuba. All right, so now we go to simmer dot pehei, and her standard simon is associated with the peh, a mouth, and we use a dentist in the simon. So dentist is the simon, so here goes. The kohen gadu who was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention when he got a call that his almana wife had taken out a loan to cover her mazonos, overheard a dentist tell his shnia wife that she was not going to receive her ksuba like her almana friend got from the kohen gadu, since she was the one who persuaded him to get married. Once again, it's emotion. The kohen gadu who was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention, dental convention, dentist, that must be on daf, pay hey, mouth. So the Kongadu who was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention when he got a call that his Almana wife had taken out a loan to cover her Mazonos, which reminds us, Belazar asked Yochan if an Almana married a Kongadu or a Grusha or a Chalutza married a Konhediot, Yeshalhem Mazonos or Eimlehem Mazonos, do they have the right to sustenance or not when the husband went overseas and she borrowed money and used it to support herself? Yochan answered that while she can claim the Ksuba itself, which is collected upon leaving the marriage, she cannot claim Mazonos, which might cause her to stay with him. So the Kohen Gadol, who was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention, when he got a call that his Almana wife had taken out a loan to cover her Mazonos, overheard a dentist tell his Shnia wife that she was not going to receive her Ksuba, like her Almana friend got from the Kohen Gadol. Which reminds us, it was taught in a Bryson Almana to a Kohen Gadol, or a Grusha, or Chalutza, to a Kohen she receives her Ksuba, Peros, Mazonos, and worn-out garments, referring to garments that she brought into the marriage, she may take with her when the marriage ends, where Shneos receive none of them. The Bryson brings three explanations with the distinction. Rebbe says the distinction is the case of the Almana to a Kohen Gadol is a Daraisa, and Daraisa law does not require Chizuk, whereas a Daraban, like Shneos, does require Chizuk. So the Kohen Gadol was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention when he got a call that his Almana wife had taken out a loan to cover her Mazonos, overheard a dentist tell his Shnia wife that she was not going to receive her Ksuba like her Almana friend got from the Kohen Gadol, since she was the one who persuaded him to get married. 
which reminds us the Brites have brought a third explanation why the Almanah to a Kohen Gadol receives a Ksuba, whereas the Shnia does not. In the case of the Almanah to a Kohen Gadol, Zehu Margila, it's the man who persuades the woman to marry him. A woman would not want into a marriage which disqualifies her, her husband, and her children, and where her husband would be angry with her, that she causes a psul for him and his children. In the case of the Shnia, Zohi Margilaso, it's she that persuades the man to marry her. Since the marriage will not disqualify her, her husband, or her children, she has nothing to lose, and therefore persuades him. So once again, the Kohen Gadu, who was away overseas lecturing at a dental convention, when he got a call that his Almana wife had taken out a loan to cover her Mazonos, overheard a dentist tell a Shnia wife, that she was not going to receive her ksuba like her Almana friend got from the Kohen Gadol, since she was the one who persuaded him to get married. All right, so now it's time for a four block back Chazara. Daf Payoff. So the similar Daf Payoff is a grandpa. So here goes. Grandpa, grandpa, that must be Daf Payoff. Grandpa Cohen, who watches Androgynous' grandson, give his Basti's real wife Truma, which reminds us that in the next mission states, Rabbi Yosem and Rabbi Shimon say, Androgynous Cohen, Shinasa Basti's real Machilba Truma, an Androgynous Cohen, who's married to a Basti's real, entitles her to eat Truma. The more brings a Malchuk as a Marai, Mishakish said, Machilba Truma be'en Machilba Chazba Shok. He entitles her to eat Truma, but not the breast and thigh of Kachin Kalim. But Rabbi Yochanan says, He even tells her to eat the Chazav Ashok. Rishakish holds that androgynous is a Safik Ish, Safik Ish, and therefore is only permitted to Truma, which is nowadays the Rabbanan. Rabbi Yochanan holds that an androgynous is a Zachavadai, and therefore is even permitted to the Deraisa, Chazav Ashok. So, Grandpa Cohen, who watches androgynous grandson, give his Basi's real wife Truma, sat in his rocking chair munching figs from the mixture of round cakes of pressed Truma and Chulon figs, which reminds us, Rishakish learns from the case of a round cake of pressed figs of Truma that got mixed with other round cakes of figs that becomes bottle. Rush explains that if Truma nowadays were a derisa, it would not become bottle, for items that are commonly counted when they are sold are considered a davrachoshut, something of significance which the laws of Bithel do not apply to. Rav Yochan responded that he went in a brisa that a piece of tamei chattas meat that became mixed with slices of taro chattas meat does become batal, which demonstrates that the rice of prohibited foods that are commonly counted when sold are subject to bittel. Rather, it's only items that are exclusively counted that are deemed the davar chashuv and are not subject to bittel. So, Grandpa Cohen, who watches Androgynous' grandson give his Basi's real wife Truma, sat in his rocking chair munching figs from the mixture round cakes of pressed Truma and Chulun figs and laughed about the time he mixed a piece of chattas tamay meat with 100 pieces of taur chattas meat. Which reminds us of Yochan's case was where a piece of chattas tamay meat got mixed with 100 pieces of taur chattas meat, and it became batal. We see from here that the tamay slice of meat, even though it's commonly counted when it's sold, becomes batal. This contradicts Rishwakish's opinion that any item which is commonly counted is a davach hashem and is not batal. Rechia Breder of Huna defended Rishwakish's ruling by explaining the case as binimucha, where the piece of tamechatis meat dissolved. Therefore, it's no longer commonly counted and is subject to bittel. Daf pei base. So the simon daf pei base is peanut butter. So here goes. The boy who got peanut butter, peanut butter, that must be on daf pei base. The boy who got peanut butter all over two boxes of chulen and truma grain that fell into two similar boxes, which reminds us that more questions whether Ryochan really holds truma nowadays is a derisa. Based on a price that taught that if two boxes of grain, chulen and truma, fell into two other boxes, one of chulen and one of truma, we can assume that the chulen fell into the chulen and the truma fell into the truma. And Ryochan says this law applies even if the chulen grain in the chulen box was not more than the truma in the soft container. Now, if Ryochan holds that truma nowadays is a derisa, how can he not require rove to be mavato? 
Rav Yochan answers that the Brisa is the Rabban who hold that Truma nowadays is only the Rabban, and his earlier statement was in accordance with Rabbi Yossi, who says that nowadays Truma is a Derisa. So the boy who got peanut butter over two boxes of chulin and Truma grain that fell into two similar boxes decided to use his empty peanut butter jar to add a saw of liquid to a mikvah and then remove a saw, which reminds us. The more asked if Rabbi Yochan really holds that rove is not required to be mevatel of the Rabban Isser, for it was taught in the Mishnah if a mikvah contains exactly 40 saw of water, one put in a saw of other liquids and then removed a saw of the mixture. The mikvah is still valid and it was said in the Yochanan, this procedure of adding a saw of water and removing a saw may be repeated ad rubo up until the majority of the mikvah. Doesn't this mean that the majority of the mikvah water remained? And since Maim Shu'uvim, drawn water is only at the Rabbanim Sul for mikvah, this implies the Yochanan requires rove to be mevato ad iser. The great answer is that what is meant is that we should not remove a majority of the mikvah water, but an equal amount of mikvah water is enough to be mevato the Rabbanim Sul. Alternatively, we could say that Rabbi Yochan does require a row, but in the case of the boxes of grain and chulin, we may rely on the leaning assumption that the chulin fell into the chulin and the truma fell into the truma. So the boy who got peanut butter all over two boxes of chulin and truma grain that fell into two similar boxes decided to use his empty peanut butter jar to add a saw of liquid to a mikvah and then remove a saw until he dropped and broken in fright when he saw an androgynous Marry a woman. Which reminds us, on Daf Pei Alf Amanam, Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi Shlakish argued whether Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon hold that androgynous is a definite male or a suffolk male. The Gemara challenges Rabbi Shlakish's opinion that he's a suffolk male for the mission stated, androgynous no say. An androgynous marries a woman, which implies a And the Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon hold he's a definite male. The Gemara continues to challenge Rabbi Yochan's position as well. Daf Pei Gimel. So the similar Daf Pei Gimel is a pogo stick. So here goes. The farmer who uses pogo stick, pogo stick, that must be more on Daf Pei Gimel. The farmer who uses pogo stick to jump up and grab a branch on a tree 44 days before Shaviz, which reminds us, Gemorgas Mishnai's Rabbi Yosef and Rishim issued rulings together and the lacha goes according to them. One of them being in terms of Archova, grafting. The one does not graft a branch on a tree two weeks before Shaviz, which is understood to mean 44 days before Shaviz, since the 30 days before Shaviz are already ushered through the malacha because of Tosla Shaviz. So the farmer who uses pogo stick to jump up and graft a branch on a tree 44 days before Shaviz spotted a farmer spreading his vine over his tum-tum neighbor's grain. Which reminds us, Shmuel said the halachas of Rabbi Yosem Rabbi Shimon regarding Kiddush, rendering produce unfit regarding Klein. For Ustana Mishnah and Klein, Rabbi says one who spreads his vine over the standing grain of his friend has rendered the grain unfit as Klai Kerim and as Chai for its loss. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Shimon say, Ein adam A person cannot render something prohibited unless it belongs to him. And Tosos explains that this principle only applies with prohibitions that require intent, such as climb. But in cases that do not require intent, such as one putting chelav or nevela in his friend's pot of meat, the fruit certainly becomes forbidden. So the farmer uses pogo stick to jump up and graft a branch on a tree. 44 days before Shaviz spotted a farmer spreading his vine over his tumtum neighbor's grain, who was distracted while being informed he should not perform chalitza. Which reminds us that Rabbi Yudo holds that a tumtum whose genital covering was torn open and found to be a male should not perform chalitza because he's a sris vadai, a definite sris. Whereas the son Rabbi Yossi Rabbi said that a tumtum is only a suffix sris. The nafkamina between them is to disqualify the yavama for yibum when there are other brothers and to perform chalitza when there are no other brothers. According to Rabbi Yudo who holds that he's a sris vadai, his act of chalitza has no validity and she still may be taken in yibum by the other brothers, whereas according to Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda, it may have a validity if he's not a Sri's Chama. If there are no other brothers, Rabbi Yehuda says she does not require Chalitza from him, whereas according to Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda, she does since he might not be a Sri's Chama. Daf Pei Dalad, so the similar Daf Pei Dalad is a launch pad. 
So here goes. The Conehead Yod astronaut getting married to the Almana on his launch pad. Launch pad? That must mean we're on Dov Pay Dalid. The Conehead Yod astronaut getting married to an Almana on his launch pad while his brother the Kohen Gadol stood by, which reminds us, the opening mission of the ninth pair presents four categories of women. The first category being those who are permitted to their husbands and prohibited to their Yavams. The first case is Conehead Yod Shinasas Almana Vyeshulach Kohen Gadol, a Conehead Yod who married an Almana and he has a brother who is a Kohen Gadol. The more addresses why the mission said he was married to a widow, when it could have said that he did Kedushin with her, and she would still be forbidden to the Yavam, who is a Kohen Gadol. So the Kohen Hedyot astronaut getting married to an Alman on his launch pad, while his brother the Kohen Gadol stood by, was interrupted by a Basula, who climbed up and asked, why he didn't marry her? Which reminds us. The Gemara continues to challenge the first example of the mission and asks why the first case is that of an Almana, least named Basul. Let it state she was a Basul who had never been married since she will become an Almana when the Konhedyot dies. So the Konhedyot astronaut getting married to an Almana on his launch pad while his brother the Kohen Gadol stood by was interrupted by a Basul who climbed up and asked why he didn't marry her. And he told her that as a Kohenna she could marry the Chala working in the control tower. Which reminds us, Rabbi said in the name of Rav, Eligible women, referring to the daughters of Kahanim, are not prohibited to be married to Basuim, such as Chalolim. Rav and Bar Yitzhak's challenge to Rav's ruling is rebuffed. All right, that concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Avram Gorm Zichu, wishing you a great day and great learning.